So we're going to be looking at the scripture today, Romans chapter 16. We're going to be reading from verse 17 to verse 20. If you are able to stand to your feet, we're going to read together. And I asked if Garrett Collins, which in the history of Sanctuary Church, Garrett will be our first a full-time overseas missionary, about a year or so. So uh, would you please welcome Garrett as he leads us in public reading of the scripture. Good morning, everyone. All right, I think we've done this before. I'm going to read the odd verses. You guys will read the even ones, okay? Romans 16, verse 17. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise about what is good and innocent about what is evil. Thank you, Garrett. So the title of the message this morning from Romans, we're going through the book of Romans. If you're new here, we go through books of the Bible, kind of old school and unpack the timeless truths of scriptures. Uh, We can hear the very voice of God through the word of God, and that's why we do it. And so the title of this message this morning is Final Words from a Father's Heart. Final Words from a Father's Heart. So what we're going to get uh, is we're going to hear a wrap-up of the great Apostle Paul here in Romans Closing points, essential things that you need to know. These are seven need to knows you're going to hear. Seven essentials. And so uh, I want to open up with prayer, and then we'll unpack the Scripture. Father, thank you that we're here. Lord, thank you that we get to open the Scriptures. Father, I pray that you do something in the room that you only do as we gather together, that we would find encouragement as we gather around and learn from and be encouraged by your Word. Father, I pray that you would settle us and center us and help us uh, to focus our attention with open hearts on the Scriptures. And as always, we're dependent upon you. We pray you'd come now, Holy Spirit. Equip us for every good work. By your grace and for your glory, we pray. And everyone agreed by saying? So as we are wrapping up Romans chapter 16, what we see here is that the heart of the Apostle Paul is on display to the church. And by that I mean he's written this magnificent doctrinal masterpiece for 12 chapters. And then for a few chapters, he talks about application and what that looks like in your life. And then in Romans chapter 16, now he's talking about his friends. And he's giving shout outs here. It's basically Paul's farewell address. It's like a photo album of all of his friends, his acquaintances, people that he knew. And so they're in the church at Rome. And what's really interesting is he'd never been there. He'd never been to the church at Rome. Uh, He didn't plant the church at Rome. So what he does here is he greets and he mentions 26 people by name. So there's this long list here of people that he's never, many of them, he's never actually been to the church there. So but Paul knows them, he acknowledges them, gives them shout outs. People that stood out to him, people that made a difference in his life, people that inspired him, that were an example and their story was amazing had a great impact on him or the church. So he remembers them, and he says things like this. He says, hey, like you did jail time with me. Thanks for doing that. Priscilla and Aquila, I want to give you a shout out because you started a church, and Lord, and, and, you, and you built a, did tent building with me. Been an amazing couple there. And then he says, and, and Rufus, your mom, she's been a mother to me also. Amazing woman there. And then he says, Mary, you worked to the point of exhaustion. And interesting of the the group here, in a culture where women were not um, elevated, they were actually suppressed, nine of the women 
are highlighted and given prominence and preeminence in this list. And uh, many of them are acknowledged for their hard work. Literally, they'll say like, you worked very hard, Mary, or Junia. So, and he talks about them and how hard they worked, literally to the point of exhaustion. So now he's playing uh, back the memories of the people here uh, that left an indelible impression upon him. And I say all that to say this, that you can look at the Apostle Paul, this immensely gifted uh, human being who wrote so much of the Bible, and you can think like, yeah, it's all about Paul, and Paul's the one doing it. And I don't want to underestimate what pastors or church leaders do, what God is doing through them. But I also want to say that it's very important to recognize here that along with the leaders, God is working through a plurality of people. It wasn't just about the Apostle Paul. He's talking about, here's the community, 26 people that made the church in Rome what it is today. So together then, they were advancing the ministry. And I want to say that because it's a totality of a faith community. It's not just people that are on the platform or whatever. We can sometimes, I think, miss out on the big point here that there's a reason for the list of names. Why the list is so important, because sometimes we might not even know who they are. But heaven knows, God knows, the Apostle Paul knows, and on a personal level, sometimes you can be feeling like, well, I don't know if anybody really notices me. I don't know if anybody notices what I'm doing. What I'm saying is, yes, God notices, God knows, God knows your story, heaven knows. And listen, only in heaven sometimes are we going to understand the impact that these people in the church in Rome had here. Sometimes we won't know the impact that you've had until we get to heaven. So I want to say, listen to me, friends, your role, okay, your past role, your present role, your future role in the church is immensely important, and you are needed, and you are valued, just like these 26 people that Paul is acknowledging here. What happens there, what happens here, is that the ministry, the church, is stronger, goes further, accomplishes more, is more fruitful because of you, because of your involvement, just like the church at Rome here. So the impact of you, I want to say this, the impact of your involvement, your investment of your time, of your treasures, of your talents, sometimes is not even seen in this lifetime, not even understood in this lifetime. And what you do, like this church here, will outlast your life. Look at friends, 2,000 years later, and we're unpacking who they are and being inspired by their example. Now, I could do the same thing because there are literally hundreds of people that I could shout out and thanks and do a Romans 16 thing here. But I'm just going to talk about one. His name is Scott. Scott was a pillar of our setup team, like we have so many pillars of a of setup team. We, we uh, used to meet in, the, um, in a gym across the freeway, 450 chairs uh, we put out. We put out a carpet, the whole team, the whole floor. We would uh, build the stage out all the lights, everything completely from scratch, and then turn around and do the same thing the next week. There's about 20 people on a team on an average Friday night that we did that. Scott was the pillar. Scott was central to that. So he lived and breathed to do that. He could have been in Romans. If I could write Romans 16, he'd be like one of the first people I would put in. But here's his story. 
He woke up down here and had church down here, and he ended up having church up there. He collapsed before the, uh, the second service was over. I went to be with Jesus, and he died loving what he did. Little did I know the last time I said goodbye to him because I was out of state when this happened, that'd be the last time that I would see Scott. So there are people like Scott, literally died loving what he did. So, but the impact of what he, what he did has had such a great impact on me. Over the years, and I think of him often, and many people, like the Apostle Paul here, thanking you for what you've done. So from my heart to your heart, thank you, thank you, thank you for serving. So what we have here in Romans 16 is we have slaves, people that were former slaves. We have single moms, single women. We have married couples. We have people that are influential and highly visible to those that are unknown. And so you have tent makers, you have teachers, you have administrators, you have business people, you have people from all over the world, from Asia, in Europe, and Africa in Romans 16. So Romans 16 describes that church and this church, a diversity of people, watch, with a, with a unity of focus, focus to bless the community in which we've been placed, uh, a focus to tell people about Jesus, to see people grow up in the scriptures there. So all of the people here, they love the Apostle Paul. They love the church. They're all committed to being a part of something bigger than themselves. And I want to remind us that that's what we're doing. We're a part of something that is bigger than ourselves. And so, friends, this is our calling to do also what they were doing. So Paul, then he starts giving shout-outs. He goes, yeah, Phoebe, Quilla, and Priscilla, you're, you were rocking it. And Rufus, man, your mom was like a mom to me. And Mary, you, were, you worked your, your fingers to the bone. And Junius, and Apelles, and Herodian, and Tryphosa, and Tryphena, and Persis, and all of you, just to name a few, you guys are amazing that makes up the church there at Rome. So he reminds us of this. He reminds us that, yes, the gospel goes to everyone, but the gospel went to all these individuals like the individuals here this morning. God knows every single one of you by name. God knows your name. He cares about you. You matter to him. The work that you've done in serving the local church, it matters. The church is better off for you. So God sees what you do. He sees your life. He sees how you serve. And I just wanted to show you in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. Check this out. Watch. For God, there it is. Watch. Will not forget how hard you've worked. That would include all of you here. He doesn't forget. Maybe at the ranch. Maybe here. Maybe back at the, uh, across the street at Mesa View. And how you have shown your love to him by doing what? By caring for other Christ followers as you still do here. So he doesn't forget. So number one, final words from a father's heart is this. God remembers everything that you do. Every place you serve, every Sunday school class, every person, every time that you serve God is remembered by the Almighty. God does not forget how you've worked for him. So all of you here, I want to remind you of this reality. Everything you've done, heaven notices, God notices the, uh, all that you've done. And so Paul then begins to conclude here. And he pauses for a moment, thanking God for all those people 
And then he has some things on his mind, Holy Spirit prompting that he wants to instill some golden nuggets he wants to give to the people here, things they need to know. Verse 17, watch. And now he says, I want to make one more appeal. My dear brothers and sisters, watch. Watch out. For who? For people that do a couple things. One, cause divisions because they're out there. And then he says, and upset people's faith by teaching what? Okay, but teaching lame, false doctrine contrary to what you've been taught. Then here's what you do. Avoid them. He says, you need to watch out. The father love advice says, because there are people that doctrinally, they're just like they're off. There's other people out there, they're divisive. Or they're like flat out evil. So what do you do? He says, you turn away from them. The first thing he says you got to build into your life is watch out, mark them, because there's a warning being given. There's people out there, they create divisions. Divisions that are planned. Divisions that are premeditated. Divisions then that are purposeful in their, in their negative bent there. Divisions that cause drama and struggle. And maybe you've been in this kind of a church and relational strife there. Maybe there's bickering or there's friction or there's discord or squabbling or disputing going on there, controversy or undermining negative energy that happens. And Paul says, look, it's a reality you need to be aware of and you need to be discerning here. There are divisions that are sometimes by religious convictions. Could it be that sometimes the most the most religious people can be the most divisive and the most dangerous. Could it be? So that who hassled, who harmed, who hounded the Son of God, Jesus Christ, but the religious community, that they weren't happy with him. Maybe you've met somebody like this. You know what I'm talking about? That no matter what happens, there's never happy. God can be working in the church, be wonderful, can, uh, life-changing things can be happening, there's powerful ways that God is working. And then they just got to trash talk, you know, the youth pastor. Got trash talk the children's pastor or, or be critical of the worship team. And I get it. I get it, friends, that in church here, you have imperfect, flawed, broken people. And you can see those flaws. They come to expression. The bottom line is this, is that life is lumpy. So what do you do? You have to... To, so when you have well-meaning, sincere, well-intentioned people, not perfect, then you overlook the lumps and you celebrate the good. And so, but some people you're going to never make happy. So, you, so we have to recognize that. And so, but sometimes there's this negativity, negative attitude, bad attitude there. And what'll happen is if you hang around them too long, it'll rub off on you. Stupid rubs off. Negativity, I'm not joking, not being cute here, negativity rubs off. Bad attitudes rub off. Where does the Bible say that? The Bible says that in Proverbs 13, 20. says this. It says, those that walk with the wise will be what? Will become what? Fools or wise? They'll become wise. But those, okay, but the, but those that hang around with fools okay, uh, will suffer much harm. They that walk with fools, you will. Take it to the bank. You're going to become like them or their foolishness is going to blow up in your face and you're going to suffer much harm. And so we need to recognize this, that in church, leadership's not 
perfect there. And so, uh, so you know, we make corrections. We confront where we need to confront there. But you're hanging around with people that are just so negative all the time, then you need friend, new friends. There comes a time when you say, God bless you and goodbye. God bless you and adios, senor or senorita. Okay, so you avoid them. Look, at, it's in your Bible. Put it back up there. You avoid them. You turn away. You avoid associating with them. You simply avoid them. You don't listen to them. You don't pay attention to them. You don't give them an audience. You don't negotiate with them. You don't have interaction with them. You don't give them access. No meeting in the middle. No reasoning. No compromising. You give them nothing there. And so now, why? They may not be beyond your help, or they may not be beyond help, but they're beyond your help. And sometimes we can have the Superman complex, like, well, I only talk to him and care for him and help him. No. It says, avoid them. There's times where there's nothing you can do, and they need God and not you. And God needs to show up in their lives, supernaturally there. Maybe they need professional help. Sometimes they need professional help. And so sometimes they need God's supernatural help, professional help. Maybe they need counseling. Maybe they need a therapist. Maybe they need a doctor. But you're to avoid associating with them. Okay, maybe if you're in a dating relationship and you need to pack up and go. There are certain people, maybe, what does this look like? You You may need to block on social media. You may need to block them from texting. You may need to change your email there. The final words of a father's heart. God sees everything you do, but you need to watch out for people that are divisive, that are deceptive, that are evil, that are teaching lame doctrine. Avoid them. That's what it says here. Well, like where, well, there was an example of that. I'm glad you asked. So Jesus there had a guy in his life, the 12 disciples, and one of them, Mr. Judas Iscariot. And for three years, what did he do? But he was pretending, deceptive to the core. And there he was working his evil agenda there, deceptive agenda, creating division. What is Jesus to do? Avoid him. He betrays Jesus with, with a kiss there, full of evil there. So Jesus has a closure conversation with Judas. And what does he not say? He doesn't say, hey, Judas, let's see if we can sort it out and work it out, and let's get together for coffee. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, Judas, uh, let's go to counseling together, and I'm sure we can work it out. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, Judas, we need a mediator between us so we can kind of negotiate our differences. He does not say that. What Jesus says is, you go your way, and I'm going to go my way, but at this point, we're going to part company. We're going to go our separate ways, and I am going to avoid you and never speak to you again, and the relationship is over. It's in your Bible, friends. It says, avoid them. In our culture today, so much about, well, just accept everybody and to tolerate everybody. Avoid them. 
Let our minds be renewed at what God has said. So what about us? Is there anyone in your life that perhaps you need to pray about? This is somebody that you need to work out of your life. You need to avoid them. So here's why. Like, why do we need to avoid them? Here's why, verse 18. Such people, what kind of people? Deceptive people, divisive people, evil people, are not serving Christ, our Lord. They're serving their own personal interests. Like you go behind the scenes, you can peel away in their heart. All about them, all the time is what he's saying here. This is how they operate. Under the guise of serving Christ, they're not really serving Christ. They're serving their own personal interests is what's going on here. And so Paul says this. How do they do it? Here's how they do it. By smooth talk. Look at that. By smooth talk. This is, how, this is how they roll. This is how they operate here. They're relationally cunning. They know how to manipulate you. They know how to play you. They know how to exploit you. They know how to work you. They may say, hey, you know, I'm just trying to help you, and, and I really care about you, and I love you, and I'm praying for you. They see you're lonely, and, oh, you know, I just really want to help you. I know how lonely you are. Or maybe they see you got a little ego thing going on there, and they say, They'll just pour it on and flatter you and play on that. And you're so amazing and you're so great and I agree with you and you're right and they're wrong. Like, yeah, somebody finally sees it my way and they're just working you. Look, by smooth talk, polished talk, pleasant talk, usually nice talk, likable talk, winsome talk, engaging talk there, but with glowing words. They flatter you. They tell you what you want to hear. And they want to gain your ear so they can deceive your heart. That's what's at the core here. And now look at verse 19. Look with it me. It says, but everyone knows that you're what? You're obedient to the Lord. Like Paul's going like, right on. You're obedient to God. Keep it up. That makes me very happy. And then he says, but here's what I want. The final words from a father's heart. I want you to be wise to what is good and innocent to what is evil. Number three, final words from a father's heart is pursue wisdom. The Bible says with all thine getting, get wisdom, get understanding. It's important to look at life and ask the question, who are the wise people in my life? I would ask you that. Who are the wise people? Are you building a relationship with them? Are you pursuing them? Are you being intentional intentional about building relationship there? Are you identifying them? Are you inviting them into your life? Proverbs 13, 20, I referred to it. He who walks with the wise shall be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer, friends, much harm. Some people you don't realize that some of your decisions, you're foolish. Not everything we do with wisdom the Bible says in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, James 1.5, ask God. There it is. You just ask God. Lord, I, I need your wisdom. I don't know what to do. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God. But God knows I need wisdom. It doesn't matter. you got to ask him all the time. Ask him for wisdom, and God will give it to you and not withhold it. And so you need to filter life through this. Asking, what is the wise thing for me to do all your life? In every area of your life, asking God for wisdom. Final words from the Father's heart. 
pursue wisdom in every area of your life. And so if you do this, friends, you will live a regret-proof your life. And so we have enough regrets in life. We look back with measures of regret. I do too. I don't want to have more of those. So what do we do then? We ask God. Okay, we build wise relationships into our lives. But then it says, be wise about what is good, but innocent about what is evil. And I think we get this wrong. I think church gets this wrong. I think we need to adjust and rethink this and renew our minds to what God has said. Be innocent about evil. Well, they're so naive, and they don't even know. Yeah, you need to be like them. Because the Bible says, be innocent, be naive about evil. You don't need to know. You don't need to go down that path about understanding about all evil. Oh, I think I'll just do a little more research. No, you don't need to do more research. Be innocent about what is evil. Point number four, a father's advice. Final words, leave evil alone. Can't say any more simply than that. So is there any area of your life where evil is creeping into your life? Where darkness and things you'd be shamed, shameful about are creeping into your life? And then Paul says in verse 20, look at the screen, the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. I like that. Does anybody like that? See, he hadn't talked about Satan the whole Romans chapters uh, 1 through 16. And now he's just going to be cool, concise, and to the point. It's like, here's all you need to know. Talked about it in other places. Well, here's what you need to know. That the God of peace, okay, he is our everlasting peace. He will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. The word picture coming from in that day when uh, captors uh, succumbed their captives, they would put their foot on their neck. That's what they would do. The soldiers would, would do that. So they would put their foot on their neck and saying, saying, remember what you've seen in culture? How the soldiers do that? That's what you're going to do someday to uh, Satan himself, the devil. You will soon crush him. Crush, the original word in the Greek means to crush the smithereens. To crush the smithereens. And so I like this that he doesn't go into this massive treatise and give all the doctrine and says, here's all you need to know. The dude is going to be crushed, and you can take it to the bank. That's what you need to know here. So point number five, final words from Father's heart. Uh, you don't need to be worried about Satan and all that he's doing. What you need to know is the enemy will be crushed. Jesus defeats the enemy there. He says, but as for you, continuing, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's like, that's enough there. I need to talk about the grace of God. And he says this, look. You're empowered by grace. There, there's a Romans uh, chapter 5. We talked about the reign of grace. For by grace, you are saved. Every single Christ follower here, uh, you are sanctified by the blood of Christ. You overcome sin. God helps you where you need help to walk with him. And you are not alone. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And then verse 21 he flips back now and says, now I'm going to talk about my leadership team again because there's some very important stuff that you need to know about this and my final words to you. And he says this, verse 21, looking at the screen, the church in the city of Rome talks about his right-hand man. You have a fatherless son and a sonless father, a spiritual father, Paul to Timothy, who needed 
a father figure in his life and says, Timothy, my fellow worker sends you his greetings, as do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater and my fellow Jews. So Lucius there, Acts chapter 13, verse 3, preacher, Bible guy, says, we got, we got that covered. He's the Bible guy. And you see here a plurality of spiritual gifts here throughout these names listed. And I have some very important points that we're going to make uh, to conclude this. And then he says, yeah, Jason. Maybe you know who Jason is, but Acts chapter 17, they're ready to kill Paul. Riots breaking out everywhere he went. Riots are happening. And so Jason there has got this gift going on there. He's like the crisis management, even keeled guy. He can go in there and say, hey, time out. Listen to me. So he's the guy that you want to have on your team, a good skill set to have around. There's a problem. Hey, where's Jason? Where's Jason? He'll take care of it. So you got Jason on the team. And then you got the next guy, Acts chapter 20, assassination attempt on the apostle Paul. And this guy here, Sosipater, so he's battle-tested, knows how to handle the pressure. Paul says, a guy that went with me to war and came back, uh, I love this guy, and he's on the team. Now watch this, verse 22, watch, watch. I, look at that, everybody look at that. Tertius, the one writing this letter for Paul. Tertius, it's not even a name. It means number three. You know why it means number three? Because he didn't have a name. He's never given a name because he's a slave, an educated slave. He has got the brainchild. Tertius, yeah, the slave. Verse 23, and Quartus, his brother, number four. They didn't even put the energy into it in that culture to give him names, as tragic as it is. This is called your number one. Number two, Tertius number three, Quartus number four. And they got slaves on the team. And so here's Paul's writing, uh, and, and, he, and he says there in verse 23, and Gaius says hello to you. He's my host. What does that mean? Host, big house, big estate, successful, affluent, bankrolling, the whole ministry here, funding the whole thing, business leader, prosperous, businessman, Gay has got the whole gift of hospitality going on. We need him. And then he says here, an Erastus, okay, the city treasurer, okay, doing the public works, political guy, well-known, respected, political leader. And then Quartus, which means fourth, the two slave brothers there. Do you see what's going on? Friends, do you see it? That you got the high-level businessman, the prosperous, wealthy guy, and then you've got next to them, you've got um, a slave, two slaves there. And what this says, look, next to the government official, respected people and slaves. And this is what it's saying, number six. Leadership in the church is not predicated upon popularity or politics or pressure or social status because you've got the highest levels with the lowest levels on the same team, serving together with Paul. See, leadership in the church is predicated on, friends, character. And that's what you see, the common thread here. Now he begins to wrap things up with the doxology, and he says this. Now to him, Paul's like, he's like, look, everybody, look to God. Now unto him, like the Bible says, say, now unto him who is able to, to do more than we could ask or think, according to the power that works within us, 
now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory to the only wise God. Be glory in my power and dominion both now and forever. And now he says, and now unto him, watch, vertical, let's look there, but he says, but now let's go now unto him who's able to help you. All of you here, now he's going horizontal. What is he able to do? Now unto him who's able to strengthen you. Able to strengthen you. Paul said in another place that he, that, uh, that he is able to strengthen you by his spirit in the inner man. So he says to strengthen you. It means to be established. It means to be stabilized. Why that? It means anything which would watch destabilize you, he can stabilize. He can establish you in the faith. So do we need God's strength? Any people here today, perhaps you're feeling maybe a little weary, maybe a little worn out, maybe having a hard time persevering and hanging in there. Does anybody need to be strengthened? Yes, we do, beginning with the speaker. God wants to strengthen you on your inner person, your inner man, your inner woman. So then he says, according to my gospel, the preaching of Jesus Christ. In other words, it's very personal for Paul that God gave him the gospel to bring to the Gentiles. And he's saying, look, God made you, God loves you, and Jesus died for you and forgave you and gives you a new life. And he's done everything that he can for you to make you right with God. He's here to help you. Sent the paraclete to help you, to come alongside you, to help you. He's forgiving you by his blood. He's transforming you. He's adopting you and saving you. And he changes you and transforms you and, and blesses you. And he does all that and more. The final words of the apostle Paul to us. A father's heart is this. Watch, friends. Look up here. God is able to what? Yeah, to strengthen you, but much more than that. I just want that to sink into your mind. He's able to, like, what do you need? Well, that's what he's able to do. He can do whatever you need. Fill in the blank. In this context, it is to strengthen. He says this, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret from a long time ago, but has now been disclosed. How? Through the prophetic writings, the Old Testament prophets, and made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about obedience to the faith. What is all that saying? It's saying this. Now we have the scriptures. Now we have the word of God. The source of, of all truth we now have. So now we know how to live in a world filled with foolishness because we know where to get wisdom. Now we know how to live in a world filled with evil and deception and corrupted to the core. Now we know where to go. Romans 12, be transformed. How about the renewing of your mind? And our minds are renewed like this morning. And then he says, verse 27, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. Amen. I love that. He goes, hey, Tertius, like, I want to amen myself, so put amen in there too. I've, I feel inspired to say that. So, okay, I'll write that down. Amen, and he amens himself. And so that's it. The glorious gospel, the book of Romans, masterpiece uh, to stand for the ages. And he concludes that way. Amen, 
and amen. And that's how I'm going to conclude. Amen and amen. So stand to your feet as the worship team comes up, and let's pray. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you, Lord, that we got to hear the amazing God-breathed uh, divine exhalings of the Almighty. I pray they would stir our hearts and accomplish the purpose whereunto it's been sent.